Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, Binaural Production Engineer, Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, and monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Dr. Q, the founder or co-founder of Indian Palm Leaf Reading Institute. Thanks for coming on. Hello, hello, and namaste. Thank you so much, Gary, for having me on your show today and allowing me to talk about this, um, give or take, 2,500-year-old powerful ancient wisdom called Indian Palm Leaf Readings. I call it Indian Palm Leaf Reading because people in the West do not really know what it is that we do, but this has been going on for, give or take, 2,500 years in, in the southernmost parts of India in a state called Tamil Nadu. To give you an idea how big that state is, it has 85 million people in that one state alone, so it's twice the size of California, and they speak Tamil there. Well, most of the rest of the nation communicates in Hindi in uh, some shape or form. Uh, well, Tamils stick with their own language, Tamil. And there is a competition, if you wish, in India, which Sanskrit or ancient Tamil is the oldest written language. Mm-hmm. Of course, Tamils say it's their language. At any rate, my name is Dr. Q. I'm the founder of the Indian Palm Reading Institute. And um, for those of you who cannot see me, I am not an Indian, I'm a white guy who had an amazing experience some eight years ago or so when I had my reading, where I was predicted that I will bring to the West. Well, I thought he's joking with me and they went in one ear and out the other. And yet eight years later, here I am on your podcast talking about it simply because it was an amazing mind blowing experience. And I shared it with friends and family. They all wanted to get a reading done too. Until I realized that nobody wants to go to India, really. The vast majority of Western people just don't want to go to India, um, believe it or not. I'm a traveler. I've been to well over 100 countries. I run a big travel business before, too. So to me, travel is like second nature. I'm a gypsy, if you wish. I travel 200 plus days a year, so I'm permanently on the, on the go. But when I realized that no one in the West would really want to travel to India, then um, I thought maybe we can do it online somehow. And um, that's how it all started us doing uh, Skype calls in the, in the beginning and me just helping my friends and family through their reading with the translation from the Indian English known as English because they had difficulties understanding the England English and their accents, but also even more so when it comes to um, explaining the deeper meaning of the reading because I have been on a spiritual journey for also well over 30 years. A little bit about myself so people know who this guy is. By the way, Dr. Q is not a stage name. I do have a PhD and I was an academic before, but it bored the hell out of me. So I didn't pursue that. I love teaching kids. That was fantastic. I mean, students, you know, 18, 18 plus, but uh, all the red tape that goes with it uh, is just not me. I'm not an office person. So then I started a travel business. I followed my, my passion, which became one of the fastest growing travel uh, companies in general in, in the United States. 
And I was humbled, actually, and, and super surprised to be interviewed by Entrepreneur Magazine because we were one of the fastest growing businesses in, in, in the United States. I think it was in 2007 or eight or something like that. Um, now, uh, apart from my academic and business career, when I was 16, I was diagnosed with cancer. And it was a three-year-long battle, and I spent about six months as an inpatient, so for a very long time, in the span of uh, six, uh, three years in the hospital, a thousand needle pricks later, and chemotherapy, surgery, radiation therapy, you name it. Um, at 16, I was like, of course, very angry, and I said, God, why me? I was just starting my life. And um, at 19, when I saw quite many people die, um, I said, God, why me? I mean, why did I survive? And my roommates did not. So, uh, and that's when I realized that uh, there's got to be more than meets the eye, way more than that, actually. So I spend the rest of my life trying to dig as deep as possible can into this rabbit hole. But then I had to realize the deeper I dig, the more complex it gets. It never stops. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's just still reality. But, um, so I've been with shamans in the Amazon. I've done, you know, uh, psychedelics. And um, I've been to John of God several times in Brazil, who's deemed to be the most famous. Mm -hmm. So... Um, medium, I've done all sorts of things. Um, and um, also, eight years ago, palmy readings. So I'm not a, um, a novice when it comes to spiritual experiences, by far, um, far from that, I would say. I have more experience than uh, most when it comes to experiences like that. And yet, it had a profound impact on me. So nine years ago, I think it was, and I need to calculate because these two years of pandemic really screwed up my timeline and how I remember things, um, being stuck in, uh, in my house for such a long time. Um, I got very sick. I had a virus infection and I almost died again. And I was rushed into the ICU and I spent eight days in the ICU and a month in the hospital because a virus attacked my heart and my lungs and I literally almost died. And I was very lucky that I did not because I only felt a little uncomfortable with heart palpitations and fever and chills. But my girlfriend, um, who at the time lived in Budapest, I was visiting her, I was staying with her, I said, Q, I don't know, I, this doesn't look too good. So um, she put me on a train, mind you, to, on the train from Vienna, from Budapest to Vienna. Uh, I'm half Austrian, by the way, half European. My mom's from Vienna, and that's where I had my cancer treatment. So I checked into the hospital. I have a VIP status, uh, if I may say so, um, not because I'm a famous person, more because I just survived. So people there, you know, when they see you from 16 onwards, they love you, you know, I know everyone there, mm -hmm. all the physicians and all the nurses and stuff. So when I come back for a checkup, they always say, hey, Q, welcome back, you know, how's it going? So I went back and I said, look, I just don't feel very good. Maybe cancer comes back, I don't know, uh, can we do something here? And again, that was extremely lucky because that day when I went to the hospital uh, and they checked me out and said, sir, you're very, very sick, you gotta stay here. And I said, really? Um, I don't feel so sick, but that day I collapsed. Um, and only because I was already in the hospital, they could take care of me. Otherwise, had I stayed in Budapest, which is a three-hour train on the way, I might have died. And uh, so he, fever was, I was in a delirium like um, uh, for many, many, for weeks actually. <clears throat> and um, in the hospital, when they rushed me into the ICU, I said, okay, so I still have cancer. I also survived a revolution, mind you, because my dad's Persian and we lived in Iran until 1979. Some mm -hmm. of you might be mature enough to remember yeah. the revolution in Iran uh, when uh, we had to flee the country because otherwise we would have been executed because my father is Baha'i, not Muslim, and they're still um, persecuted and tortured and all sorts of crazy things that are going on in Iran today. 
um, and we just had to flee. My dad was also super wealthy, and uh, that was another reason why we had to just uh, dash off. Because my mom's European, we first went to Austria, and um, we stayed in Austria because us moving to the U.S. Um, didn't pan out as uh, quickly as my dad thought, because most of his family lives uh, in, in, in the U.S. Um, and that's when I uh, a there was a, a nuclear catastrophe, still the biggest uh, to this date. Uh, some of you might also be mature enough to remember Chernobyl, which at that time was in the USSR. Uh, today it's in the in the, in the in the troubled country of the Ukraine, and the nuclear cloud uh, traveled all over Europe and uh, dumped its nuclear waste over Central Europe. And I happened to be in Vienna at the time, which is in Central Europe, and that's why I got cancer like um, tens of thousands of other people too. And I know this because uh, my uh, cancer doctor uh, became a politician afterwards. She became the Secretary of Health of Austria. And she, um, I'm like her little son that she, that, that she adopted. Um, so she told me behind you know, closed doors, uh, it's guaranteed Chernobyl. Uh, that's why you got it. So a little story about me and who I am so I have a better understanding. So I know how it feels to be super wealthy and I also know how it feels to be super poor because overnight we lost everything. Because, um, um, yeah, we literally left, uh, fled Iran with two suitcases and that's it. And then my mom became the breadwinner. Um, and um, yeah, so eight years ago, hospital, I was like, God, I survived. Cancer, revolution, a major car accident some 20 years ago. And now this, well, I guess that's it. While I was in then in the ICU, I thought uh, connected the dots, and I realized maybe this has to do with karma because this lifetime I would say I'm a pretty nice guy. I I'm not like crazy about money. I don't you know, I don't even own a car really. It's money doesn't mean much to me um, as long as I don't suffer financially. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a pretty happy person. Sorry. Um, so I thought it must have to do with karma. And then my girlfriend, who is Hungarian, and that is the reason why now I live in Hungary because of your move from Washington, D.C. To, to Hungary eight years ago. Um, she said, uh, there is something called palm readings. Maybe you want to try that out because you can clean your karma. And I said, oh, absolutely. If I survive and I come out of here, then I'll go and see if there is a leaf written for me too, even though I'm a white guy, I have nothing to do with India. So I did. And, um, and by the way, also Deepak Chopra, whom I know personally, because uh, I've met him several times, as he wrote in his book, if Deepak Chopra means anything to you guys, but I presume he does. Mm -hmm. um, he wrote a book called The Book of Secrets. And I read the book too in 2003. And one chapter is dedicated to his own public reading. And now he's supporting our institute because we, he, he knows that we're running a very ethical um, institute here. But I, it never sunk in. You know, it was just a fantastic story, but uh, it didn't resonate, which is odd enough because I'm a sucker for anything spiritual. I'm telling you, as soon as I hear something, I do it. Uh, I did Vipassana. Somebody told me about Vipassana, you know, a two-week-long uh, silent meditation retreat, which is super tough. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard it the next day. I Googled and, and, I, and I went. So for this not sinking in right away, that meant something to me. But when my girlfriend uh, reminded me of that, I said, yes, I'll do it. And I did. And the reading was, I must admit, it was mind-blowing. Um, I didn't expect any, I didn't expect anything because I didn't have a guy telling me something about it. I just had the experience. And um, so here I am talking about it. As in my reading, as I said before, the reader said, you bring this to the West. And of course, you know, you know Indian, maybe you know Indians, maybe you don't. I thought, yeah, he's just, you know, flattering me. Uh, and he also told me uh, that um, I'll be living in Budapest. 
And that was a mind-blowing thing too, as I already had made up my mind to move to Hungary because of my girlfriend. So you had no clue that that was already, you know, in the making. But when you hear from an Indian guy who I guarantee you has no clue where Hungary is, and I'm 99% sure that he wouldn't even know where Europe lies. You know, if I show him a map of the world and I could, and I would say, can you just pinpoint Europe on, on this big map? Now I'm pretty sure they wouldn't know. Not because they're not, they're not educated. It's just a different universe altogether for them. So a person from Tamil Nadu looks at a person from Delhi or so, almost like being a person from a foreign country. So then looking outside of India, well, that's 1.3 billion people. That's like quite a big jump. And the readers that now work with the Institute, their universe is maybe, give or take, 300 miles around their village. That is their universe. So when a person like that tells you, oh, you've been living in Hungary, it knocks you off your socks. I assure you that. So I've been living here ever since, and I haven't regretted it a minute. It's, um, for me, a, a wonderful experience. And um, he told me quite many things in my reading. Um, so coming to the introducing, I guess, the whole thing, so people have a better understanding of um, what it is that we do. And by the way, Gary, I wanted to ask you before, mm -hmm. are people seeing it on YouTube too, or is it just a, a podcast? I just record the audio. Just on your case. So then, then I actually explain what I'm showing you now. What happened is, um, first of all, there is no written uh, record of any of this. So it's all based on legend. And legend has it that about two to 3,000 years ago, so-called Maharishis lived, for the most part, in southern India, in the state that I just described before. And all Tamils are proud to say that that is the original India. Everything else came later. So if you out there, if anyone wants to ever visit India, go and visit Tamil Nadu, because that is the original India. A little different to the rest of the country, but uh, worth a visit for sure. And in the central parts of that big state with 85 million people, right in the smack, smack middle of it, there is a town called Vaitishvanan Koil, which legend says is the birthplace of palm leaf readings. By the way, no one in India calls it Indian palm leaf reading. Um, I call it that way to just make it easier for people to understand what it is that I do. Indian, so people know it has to do with India. Palm leaf, so they hopefully realize there is a palm leaf involved and not palm of the hand. And reading that there is some sort of reading involved for the two. And Indian will call it Nadi reading or Nadi astrology, which is predicted astrology and a sub-branch of Vedic astrology. Vedic astrology is the more modern terminology for Indian astrology or mm -hmm. Hindu astrology. But in the 70s, you know, when Ayurveda became hip in, in, in the West, so they started to call it Vedic astrology. But the original name is either Hindu astrology or Indian astrology. And a sub-branch of that, and, and, and uh, the big difference between Vedic astrology and Western astrology is Western astrology is uh, sun-based and Hindu astrology is moon-based. And a sub-branch of um, um, Hindu astrology is um, Nadi readings, predicted astrology. There are, of course, there is, of course, astrology involved, but no charts are drawn as everything is written on the leaf. So about 2,500 years ago, give or take, dozens of rishis, rishi means sage, maharishis means great sages, maharishi, wrote messages on leaves. And the, re the reason why they used palm leaves is, for obvious reasons, 2,500 years ago, there was no paper. So they need to figure out a way to preserve information. And because there are plenty of palm leaves in India, they just cut down these gigantic leaves into pieces that are about 10 inches long. 
they're not standardized. Some of them might be eight inches long, some of them might be 15 inches long, but give or take 10 inches and about an inch or so wide. And then they would cut the fresh leaf, so it's still juicy, and then they would use a special tool and etch the information into it. And then once the leaf dries up, you can read the message, dried palm leaves. And these dried palm leaves are, of course, very brittle, Hence, they cannot just store them individually. Otherwise, they would just disintegrate and lose the information. So what they do is they put similar souls that are people that have the same thumbprint name. The secret in all of this lies in the person's thumbprint. Ladies' left thumbprint and gents' right thumbprint. There are 108 different thumbprint category names. And they bundle same thumbprint names into a book or bundle and I can show you Gary that's a mm -hmm. bundle in the middle in between you got these brittle palm leaves that's a mock-up by the way because the originals are in India and they're, uh, they're too uh, precious to, to travel but I give a lot of talks and I go to a lot of expos that's the reason why I take it with me because everyone wants to touch it and then and then you know if that happens that's not not a good idea so these um, in one bundle you have leaves a maximum number of 180 leaves. By the way, the number 180 is a holy number in Hinduism. And the top and the bottom are protected by wood. And then they tie them together. And that's how they store them in archives. And when you think of archives, you might think of security guards and water dispenser and um, you know temperature controlled and stuff. Well, welcome to India. India is um, disorganized chaos. That's how I call it. <laughs> And uh, the archives in India are, are more or less uh, holes in a wall, basically. You know, it's like they're like a, a back, um, a back room, dusty. All right. Okay. So. Um, that's an archive in reality, dusty back room somewhere. They could of course be in a safe too. Uh, some of them just lock them up, of course, to make sure that uh, nobody comes and, and takes them away. And uh, I opened this one Booker bundle for you, Gary, so you get to see, so you get to see them. As you can see, they're about 10 inches long, about an inch or so wide and super thin because they're literally dried palm leaves, even though this is a, that's a mock-up. And they're written in, in a language called ancient Tamil or Granta doesn't exist anymore because today they speak modern Tamil. But modern Tamil is based in ancient Tamil, similar to modern Greek and ancient Greek. Mm -hmm. A modern Greek person cannot read, write, understand the ancient Greek. They would have to go to university and study it. So similar to this, a reader in India would need to study ancient Tamil to be able to decipher the message written in uh, on a palm leaf. A reader actually roughly studies five to seven years. They would dedicate themselves to their guru for quite many years. If they join as a teenager or so, they would do, you know, menial work, running errands, cleaning, cleaning the office, until gradually the guru would start uh, sharing his knowledge with that young person. If you're lucky enough and you're born into a reader family, then of course it's passed on from great grandfather, father, son, and so forth. And they not only need to study ancient Tamil, but these leaves are written in a poetic form, not in simple prose. That would be awesome if, if, it would, if it said, this leaf belongs to Gary, 
it doesn't happen like that. That would be super awesome. And on top of it, they're written in symbols. So they, that's the only way to compress so much information on to a small palm leaf. Because there is, you know, the reading can take a long time and there's a lot of information written about you on it. But it's a skill set of a real authentic reader to then turn this ancient message written 2,500 years ago into a meaningful sentence that we can understand today. So it's a, written as a poem in symbols and on top of it, to just make it a little more difficult, Tamil and ancient Tamil are sound-based languages, similar to Chinese Mandarin, unlike all Western languages. They're all letter-based, A, B, C, D, English, French, German, even Persian, because I'm half Persian, all of those letters. Tamil is not. So given a skill set, he then can convert this poem into something that we can understand. And as I said, there were like dozens of rishis that wrote palm leaves. We don't know exactly how many, because nobody really knows. There is no school you go to, university that you can go to and study it. You would go to a guru who would be happy to um, teach you to your um, to the apprentice, and then you graduate and become a reader. <clears throat> So it's a guesstimation that we don't know, about 80, 200 uh, Maharishis. But out of these dozens of Maharishis, 18 in the South are considered to be the main Maharishis. And I'll show you a poster that you can buy temples mm-hmm. near the town where my office is, 18 of them. And the guy in the middle, his name is Maharishi Agastyar. And I have a big picture of him here too, Agastyar. Not only did he write the most leaves, but he was also a saint and a scholar, and actually a, a genius, way out of his time. And I'm sure he was a medium too, he connected with the universe and was able to give guidelines. Um, and um, you can you can read a lot about this um, um, evolved human being. Now, so I explained to you the, the leaves, the language, how they're written, and who can read it to you. That person's called a reader. Once the graduate become a reader, and they do an awesome job, for some years, we do not know how many because it, there is again no nothing standardized in India. After some time, some many years, your peers might start calling you Swami or Swamiji, which is an honorary title and it means that you're an advanced reader. Then you know, wow, I'm pretty good in what I do. And if, as a Swami, you continue uh, to outperform your peer Swamis, at some point, 20 years or so, they might start calling you Guru. Guruji, that is the highest level that you can achieve as a reader. And guru, by the way, we in the West, you know, have heard of gurus and sometimes misunderstand the term because it's also has been abused um, regrettably many times. But a guru is actually a teacher with original thought. That's what a guru is. So um, a guru reader is a reader who may pass on his knowledge um, to other potential readers, but also interpret leaves and come up with original thought himself and and enlightened human being to some extent, if you wish. Now, how does the process work? Everything, as I said before, is based on your thumbprint name. So if you're in India, you will go to a reader's office and you would submit your thumbprint, literally ink pad, paper, boom, you put your thumbprint on it. And then the reader, also literally, 
uses a magnifying glass and looks at your thumbprint and identifies your thumbprint name. And then he knows how to search for a bundle that hopefully contains your individual palm leaf. People often ask me, how many bundles are there? How many leaves are there? Nobody knows because, again, welcome to India is um, sheer chaos. There is no computer that that has them all in it or there is no registry of any kind, no books or so. It's just by word of mouth. The estimation, you know, there are 108 different thumbprint category names. That means 100 different types of bundles. And each one of them has thousands. So there's got to be a few million out there. And out of that many bundles, the reader then can find, hopefully, the bundle that contains your individual palm leaf. So what happens first step is he would look into his own archive. Does he have a bundle that matches your thumbprint name? Because every single leaf in this one bundle mm -hmm. has the same thumbprint name. Whether you're female, male, transgender, it makes no difference. You're in the same bundle. You're not related to them. It could be a lady from France, a gentleman from Australia, who knows. Yet you have, to some extent, similar life trajectory because you share the same thumbprint name. You will go into his own archive if he finds a bundle, and all these bundles have symbols or numbers written on them. So then the reader knows without having to open the bundles, okay, this bundle equals this thumbprint name. If he doesn't have one himself, he will go to his neighbor, look around in the village, and if there is none of that, he would hop on his bicycle, go to the neighboring village. If he cannot do that, then he would hop on his moped or use public bus, you know, so it's a physical search because there is no register of any kind. Hence, the search takes a while. On average, with us, it takes four to eight weeks. So somebody needs to be patient, and patience is a virtue, as we know. Once he finds a bundle, he would come back to the office, and then he would contact the seeker, the seeker is a person who would like to get a reading. In India, by the way, we don't call it Indian palm reading, but Nadi reading or Nadi astrology, as I explained to you before. Nadi means is the name of the actual palm leaf. That's a Nadi. Nadi is also the name of the person who gets a reading, a seeker. Nadi also means pulse, you know, human pulse. Nadi is also the exact time where the message is conveyed to the seeker. So Nadi has a lot of meanings, and as you can see, it comes like full circle. He will then call the Nadi or message them. the person once they get a reading saying, I got a bundle, come to my office. So it's a three-part process. Step one, you go to the office, submit your thumbprint, he knows your gender, and then he starts to search. So search is step one. Then matching step two, reading step three. Step two, matching and reading happen in one sitting. And that takes three to four hours, give or take. Now, when you're in India, you'd be sitting in the office of a reader. And again, office is a little exaggerated. It's also more hole in the wall. <clears throat> and people over romanticize, I would say, the experience of, oh, I had a reading um, in India in a reader's office. I've done both. And I can assure you, the online version is way more comfortable for a Western seeker because you're at home, you know, you're sipping your tea, it's either air conditioned or it's heated and you just, uh, there is no noise, there is no humidity, there is no heat, there is no mosquitoes, there is no incense that blows your mind. Uh, you're just in your, in your wonderful little environment while we connect you online with the office in India. So during the matching process, 
the reader op opens the bundle and he goes through each leaf step by step by reading out statements to you. Not questions, statements. Whatever statement catches his eye as being the most important on that leaf, he reads out to you. For example, you're married. If you are legally married at the time of the reading, you will say yes. If you're not married, then you say no. No need to give any more information than yes, no, right, wrong, correct or incorrect. Let's say you're going through divorce. No need to say, yes, I'm married, but I'm going through divorce. He does not need to know that. Everything else will be revealed in the matching and then in the reading. So it's a yes, no thing. If you say no, then obviously that's not your leaf, and he will move on to the next leaf. For as long as you say yes to a statement, he stays on the leaf and goes deeper and deeper and deeper. As I mentioned before, these leaves are written in a poetic form, and it's also syllabic language, which means one syllable one sound equals several letters in english in our case english so one sound in ancient tamil also modern tamil equals a e i o or u or g j k l m or n in order to know which direction to take the lead he needs to know if your name contains in this example a e i o or u you, Gary, let's say it's your reading, you would say yes, because you have an A in your name. No need to say it's an A, no need to say it's a second letter, you just say yes. That's all he needs to know, to, so he knows which direction to take the interpretation of the lead. Now, in a successful matching, the reader who knows nothing about you, absolutely nothing, he only knows your gender and your thumbprint. Everything else is written in the leaf. In a successful matching, he will tell you your first name, it's only first names, no middle names, no last names, no nicknames. <coughs> because, you know, think back 2,500 years ago, people only had one name and that's it. So that's how they identify your leaf. And thumbprints were the easiest way to categorize things because everyone has a thumbprint. And that's also hopefully makes sense why we use thumbprints. So the reader reads out to you, your first name, your mother's first name, your father's first name, date of birth, time of birth, weekday of birth. Spouse, if you have a spouse, spouse's name, many times ex-spouse, which comes as a shock to many people. And like, oh my gosh, I divorced uh, this bastard you know, 20 years ago, and yet he shows up in my reading. That means that person was important to your soul and your journey. Nothing to do with um, you know, the galaxies or so. This lifetime. He will tell you how many kids you have, siblings, gender. It blows your mind. Literally, it blew my mind for sure. Um, my father's name is Siabash. I guarantee you, this Indian guy has never heard that name before. So when he then, you know, does dum -dum -dum, that's how Tamil sounds to me. And then there's Siabash. I was like, oh my God, how on earth uh, can this happen? My mom's name is Gizela. So same thing, dum -dum -dum, Gizela. Wow, you, you just, you, you can, you just stunned, really. I was very stunned. So you know it's you, basically. He confirms all your data. You know it's you, period. If you ever have doubt, then it's not your lead. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. Match. So matches happened. Now, wonderful. And then you get the reading done. So the whole purpose of the search and a match is to actually then get the reading done. And the reading is based on three aspects. Your thumbprint name. Your thumbprint name is like your genetic imprint. It's your baseline. It's neither good nor bad. It's you. And the reader will explain your thumbprint name in detail. And it explains a lot of things about you in generic terms. 
you understand why certain things are this way or, or not a different way. It makes a difference if your thumbprint name starts with Urusuri, which means one energetic circle, versus Irusuri, which means two energetic um, circles. Whoever has Iru in it, that means you have split life in twos. Two careers, two marriages, you're torn many times. Should I do go this way? Should I go that way? You study one thing, but you do a different job. And also it's two. One uh, is usually a person with... Um, academic achievements, uh, the leader ability in him, teaching ability in him. So uh, you understand why certain things are the way uh, they are. Or Varivatam, if you have that in your thumbprint name, Varivatam. Vari um, is um, uh, the, the ups and downs, the black and white. It's easy to um, picture a zebra, you know, the straps on a zebra, the black and whites, which means the ups and downs. Life is not easy for you. You you have you're constantly facing obstacles, mm-hmm. and uh, vata means blocks. Good news: whoever has vata in their thumbprint name means, even though they're faced with obstacles, they can they will overcome them because their soul grows through this experience. So you just have to embrace whatever your thumbprint name is. It shows you who you are. And um, you can then um, just understand your life journey. So uh, we're talking about the, the matching process. Um, the um, um, I lost a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure. Thumbprint name. So the reader explains you also in the reading which one of these 18 main Maharishis wrote your palm leaf. For the most part, it's Agastyar, especially if it's your first reading. I already had two readings because people often ask me, is there, can I have more than just one reading? Of course you can. I personally know several people at six readings because there are 18 Maharishis or even, you know, there are like a couple hundred maybe. So you can always search for a different Maharishi and see if there's one of them who wrote a leaf for you too. And in my two readings, since we're talking about how many readings can a person have, in my first reading, which was eight years ago, the reader, again, no clue who I am, he told me, apart from me bringing this to the West and me moving to Hungary, he told me, age 77 to 79, I'll have a heart attack and die. Well, I went there after I was in the ICU because of this um, virus infection that impacted my heart. Uh, my heart muscle was um, inflamed, called myocarditis. I had water in my heart muscle, I had pneumonia, water in my lungs. It was a pretty tough ride. And uh, to hear from an Indian that I'll die of a heart attack, made sense to me because my heart never recovered from the chemotherapy and the radiation therapy because my my, my cancer was like uh, blood related so again radiation too and i still have heart issues so to me if you ever ask me how do you think you're gonna die well i would say heart um, heart attack is in my top three but good news is the whole purpose of a reading in one sentence why anyone should get a reading is you want to create a better life trajectory for yourself after your reading that's it super simple the reader looks into the future based on the three aspects that I started to talk about. Your thumbprint name, your overall energies, not your mood, whether you had your morning coffee or not makes a difference. That's mood, but the overall had a fight with your spouse. So it's the energies. And according to our system, your energies change every six months. And last but not least, Vedic astrology. So based on these three, the reader looks into the future and gives you a possible life trajectory of your life. 
It's a so-called whole life reading, which means it covers all aspects of life. That would be health, spirituality, kids, grandchildren, love affairs, uh, career, money, and, and so forth. And it really gives you the good, the bad, and the ugly for simple reasons. Life is not just milk and honey. So whoever gets a reading thinking, oh, I'm very special, or I'm a chosen person, or everything should be gandhi after my reading. No. If you had a lousy life until now, how can you expect that everything will change without you changing? So all the reader can give you is from today's point of view, look in the future and say, that is a possible trajectory for you. If good times are mentioned, good times could be, it's a good period for you to move, find a spouse, career change or whatever, then you can utilize it or not because no one's there with a gun against your forehead saying you must. No, you just know this is a good period for you, for you to do something. And if something is not so good, a block has been identified in your reading, sometime in the future of your life, well then do something about it. Um, change things. And so at the end of the reading, um, the reader gives you homework, remedies, they're called pujas, so that you yourself can do something about your blocked energies, mm -hmm. help them transform. And by changing the energies that attracted the blocks, you attract different energies, positive energies, and based on the changing of the energies that you carry in you, you can then create a better life trajectory for yourself. So one more time, in short, why anyone should get a reading so that you can create a better life trajectory for yourself, whatever better means to you. To me, it just means no more hospital. I am sick and tired of being in hospital, you know. To some other person, it could be finding a spouse, having children, more meaningful career, more money, you name it. Um, so the um, the real healing starts with the end of the reading when the reader gives you very strict, very detailed homework. There is no wiggle room in it. That is the one thing that's very non-Indian because India is a little chaotic, but the pujas need to be done verbatim, like step by step, exactly as prescribed on the day prescribed and in the way prescribed. Uh, the, we can, we can uh, dive deeper into the pujas, of course, because they're very, very important. And in our readings, I make sure that um, every seeker understands them and does them correctly. If you carry karma, strong negative karma that is, you will get a detailed karmic reading in your palm leaf. And that is strong negative karma, not small karma, because small negative karma you can overcome through your good deeds that you do on a daily basis. Good karma does not need any healing because it's already good. So it's, we're talking strong negative karma that impacts you this lifetime. Good news is that you can overcome it. It doesn't, there is no need for this to continue until you die or God forbid, uh, continue next lifetime. <clears throat> so that's what a reading gives you. A whole life reading, karmic reading, if indeed you carry karma. And the last part is your pujas. You may of course ask questions about what you heard in the reading, or if it didn't mention something that's important to you, you can always ask, is there something about this in my, in my leaf or not? Of course you can. There might or might not be information about it. It just is neither good nor bad. Very important folks out there who get a reading, please do not take your reading verbatim. That will be the worst thing you can possibly do. Ideally, and that's how it serves you best, is to utilize the reading as a red thread a general direction so that you can then 
utilize your reading and create a better life for yourself. No one's life is set in stone, period. I'm a thousand percent convinced of that. We create our reality, whatever reality means, we can talk about that too, and maybe in a different podcast, um, daily for our thoughts, actions, non-actions. Even if you don't do anything, still something will happen. But then you're just a bystander. So it is your own doing or not doing that creates the reality that you're in on a daily basis, period. A reading shows you based on who you are today, oh, that is a possible future. As an example, uh, I was moderating the reading for a young guy who was maybe in his mid-20s or so. And the reader told him, 55 to 58, you get lung cancer and die. That's a very short lifespan. This young gentleman was shocked. And he told me, my God, I'm a smoker. Of course, the reader has no clue that he's a smoker. I said, well, he told you, if life were linear from today's point of view, which of course it's not, but if you were, because life's way too complex, then he, a person does not know you, told you, written in your leaf, if you continue this way, there is a probability of you dying. What you do with this information is up to you. Well, if you ask me, quit smoking, man. Because if you quit smoking <laughs> now, then the events predicted 30 years from now will never happen. So the purpose of the pool, just the remedies, mm -hmm. is to change the trajectory that you were given during your reading to a better one. So many times the obstacles won't even happen. Or a pool is here to reduce some sort of block that was identified in your reading, especially when you're impacted by Saturn. So when you hear Saturn, run. Usually it's never good, <laughs> um, but there is something you can do because all uh, when there is shade, there is of course also light. So Saturn is not just 100% bad, but it's 90% bad, it's not good, but it also gives you some guidelines. Uh, or in Vedic astrology, we have um, two shadow planets, which don't exist in Western astrology. Mm -hmm. They're called Rahu and Kato. So if they, you're under the impact of Rao also not good. You want to run, uh, but you can do something to help overcome the negative impact of these uh, planets. Pujas, the end of your reading, very complex. In your reading, you will be given so-called temple pujas. Temple puja means that you as a seeker, if you're in India, you will go to temple and do them there. But you're not in India, so we help you create a little temple at home. Many Indians also have uh, puja rooms and, and temples, yeah. altars at home. It's very, very common for, every, you know, most Indians have this actually, mm -hmm. at least in the southern parts of India. They're very religious, very huge. I mean, they're very spiritual people, I must say. Like the dichotomy of India per se is mind-blowing to a Western person. Really, it is. It's, uh, it's, for me too, I've been there many, many times to see so much spirituality, like it's on a daily basis, and then see, on the other hand, the poverty, uh, just, uh, it's, it's a mind-blowing experience. Um, if, if you guys out there ever get to India, it's worth, of course, it's absolutely worth the trip. Um, and yet, I do understand why some people don't want to travel because to be exposed to so much poverty is, um, is not easy, uh, um, especially for a Western person. So these temple pujas, you create a temple at home, so you don't have to go to temple or so. And then a temple puja comes in two forms. Puja, by the way, in general, means two things. Prayer ceremony, 
So you dedicated a mantra to a god or goddess, and these god and goddesses in Hinduism represent something to help you overcome the block identified in your reading. For example, uh, Ganesh, Ganesha, that is the one with the, with the elephant head. He is the first son of Shiva and Parvati. He is the block remover. So if you have a mantra to perform dedicated to Shiva, well, you can picture a bulldozer in front of you moving away the blocks of your life, as an example. Or a mantra dedicated to Shiva and Parvati, the ultimate couple in Hinduism. Shiva is the ultimate god in Hinduism. If you need to do puja to them, then usually there were some family issues identified in your reading. Issues with parents, children, siblings. So they represent family unity so that they can overcome the blocks and obstacles when it comes to your immediate family, not, you know, the second cousin and, uh, and so forth. It's your immediate family. It's parents, siblings, kids, grandchildren, partner, husband, wife, or, or life partner. Uh, so I'm just giving one or two examples that you understand what a puja means. So you sit in front of the picture. We, as the entity, we send you the pictures anyway, so you don't have to do any research. You just print out the pictures, put them on the wall. That's as simple as that. Just put the picture on the wall. You may, if you want to, add candles, incense, flowers, fruits, mm -hmm. tea lights, or nothing. Up to you. At least a picture. And then you sit in front of the picture in a meditative state, and then you recite the mantra. We transliterate it, by the way, into English. I mean, I'll make it super easy. I wish my own experience were as easy as it is today now for seekers when they, when they get a reading. So all you got to do is just, it's, we'll say this is the mantra, and the reader will tell you how many times you need to repeat it, 108 times, 44 times, 18 times, I do not know. And then you repeat that mantra on the day prescribed. For example, five Sundays to puja, or five full moon days is very uh, often to puja dedicated to Shiva and Parvati, which means you at home, wherever you are based, you need to Google one of the next five full moon days in my region. And on the full moon day, before midnight of the full moon day, you recite this mantra. And you, the intention is what matters. That's the most important part. Folks out there, please do not waste your energies on, oh my God, I do not know how to correctly pronounce this, you know, because I don't know how to speak Tamil. Who cares? You just read out the text and you, while you're doing it, you visualize and you focus your intention on, in this case, Shiva Parvati, family unity. That's what you do. It helps you to create the unity that you want uh, within your family. Shiva uh, would be helping you with your spiritual growth because he's the ultimate God in Hinduism. Murugan, if you have any partnership issues, that is the second son of Shiva Parvati. So given all these examples, you understand. So each one of them represents something to help you overcome a block identified in your reading. And the intention is the most, is 99% of it. The correct pronunciation may be 1%. So you can see it's a waste of your yeah. energies. You want to just really focus your intention. And we explain it to you anyway. So we really go the extra mile to make sure that you understand why you're doing this particular thing. Five full moon days means five months, once a month. So it's quite a lengthy process. It could, it could be eight Saturdays um, do puja to Hanuman. And Hanuman's job is to help you overcome the blocks because of um, Saturn. So that's two months, you know, so the pujas will take you quite some time. Puja means, as I said, first 
prayer ceremony. That means you dedicate your energies to a specific God, asking or and thanking to help you with overcoming a specific block. But it could also mean a ceremonial act, something you need to do physically. Mm-hmm. Um, I can give you one or two examples. One would be feed baby cow and cow at the same time on two consecutive Thursdays. Usually when you have children issues. So um, if you have any issues with the kids or if you want kids, then the the mantra puja, the one that's a prayer ceremony, would be um, five Thursdays to puja dedicated to Guru, Guru Darshnamuti. And on two of those Thursdays, you may choose which one of the two, but it must be two, feed cow and baby cow. And then, of course, you know, oh, I live in New York. I don't know what to do, where to go. I was like, man, do you want healing or not? The puja is your way of showing the universe that I'm serious about change. So if you're really serious, you will figure it out. Now, my own little challenges, you know, I moved to Hungary. I don't speak the language. I did not know anyone apart from my, my girlfriend. And the puja was um, feed the needy on two consecutive Wednesdays. I'm like, man, what do you mean by that? You know, should I do a soup kitchen? Should I donate money? I have no clue. And the reader just said, you will figure it out. So, Phew. so now I'm in Budapest. I do not know anyone. I was really worried because if you miss, a, if you miss one of these cycles, you got to start from scratch. And I didn't want to do that either. So only if you have five full moon days in a row, then that cycle is finished, and then you're done with it. If you miss a Sunday, you know, the full moon day, then you've got to start with the first one again, because that is your way of showing the universe that you're serious about your healing. So these two consecutive Wednesdays, I had to feed the needy. And then the day before, thank God, you know, it, it, I was like, you know what? I've been observing this elderly lady in the cafe that I uh, go to that I believe, you know, I uh, believe that she has not a lot of money. So just, it was sheer intuition, I'm telling you, uh, to then tell the waiter on the Wednesday, you know what, I'm just going to pay for her food. But don't tell her. And to observe her reaction, and again, I don't speak Hungarian, so to observe her reaction when she wanted to pay, and the waiter said, no, no, it's already paid, observing, you know, from, from distance. And she was looking around, oh my God, that was one of the most beautiful experiences in my entire life. And I've been doing this puja, even though I only had to do it twice, you know, two consecutive Wednesdays, even now, once in a while, when I'm, when I'm observing, like, um, like um, when I was in, in LA just uh, a couple months ago, there was like a young couple-ish, and they were like, they had a fight. You know, we're in line for coffee, and um, I just paid for their coffee. Total stranger. And it instantaneously changed their energies. It's so beautiful. It doesn't cost money. It's 10 bucks or something, but it made their day, you know, and I, and I did it in a loving way. I didn't say, can you please stop, you know, bickering because it's, it gets on my, it gets on my nerves. I just bought them their coffee and then they look at you. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. I can only recommend anyone, everyone out there go and do it once in a while. It's a beautiful experience. And another one that's a little funny too. uh, It's told me, um, on five consecutive Fridays, give candy and fruit to at least five children. I'm in Hungary, I'm in Budapest, no clue what to do. You know, it's like, man, I'm a middle-aged man going around giving candy away to kids. <laughs> it's not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you figure it out. You do, because, of course, then I thought, you know, how can I possibly do this in, a, in an organized way? So I contacted kindergartens and I contacted an orphanage and I said, look, uh, I'm, I'm not a strange, uh, crazy white foreigner living in Hungary. I did this 
Pooja, you know, I did this reading and the Pooja asked me to do this. Is it okay if I just bring a sack full of uh, candy and, and, and fruits? And of course he said yes. I mean, of course, it would be crazy not to say yes. So uh, that's how I did it. <clears throat> so these are physical acts. So it's a ceremonial act. You can be prescribed just prayer ceremonies, just mantras, or both. And then last but not least, you can also be prescribed so-called mantra pujas. And mantra pujas are an energy shifting exercise. By the way, that's how I convert, that's how I translate puja. Official translation, prayer ceremony, ceremonial act. But in the West, I convert it, I translate it as energy shifting exercise. It is. Because uh, folks listening to this podcast hopefully accept the fact that if something goes well in your life, then the energies flow the way they're supposed to be flowing. Things just happen easy. You know, there's there's not much stress, you know, a struggle. It's just you know, it's a flow. And if things don't go so well, then obviously, you know, the, the energies are somewhat blocked inside of you. And these mantras and pujas are energy shifting exercises so that you can create a better life trajectory for yourself. So the temple puja, that's the one that you need to do, is your own energy shifting exercise that you have control over yourself and you've got to follow them verbatim and you know, step by step exactly as prescribed. And it takes you months, man. Mine was like eight months or so. And um, a mantra puja can also be prescribed. Not everyone gets a mantra puja, but quite many do, especially if you carry karma or if a loved one just passed away or so to help with the energies. A mantra puja is an energy shifting exercise performed by a priest in a temple on your behalf. And this mantra puja can be work the, the, a priest who works together with the reader to do it on a day that's perfect according to your reading. Either goes to a temple twice a day at sunrise and sunset for either 108 days in a row, that's a very long time, or 144 days in a row, and performs the mantra prescribed to you in your league. So it's an energy shifting exercise. So these mantra pujas come either by when the priest goes to temple, 108 or 144 days. So it takes three, four months. You don't need to do anything. But on the first and the last day, you can join in spirit. On the first day, you know, sending out good wishes for your healing. On the last day, doing a meditation, saying thank you. But a mantra puja could also be a fire ceremony where the priest creates a fire in the temple and recites the mantra prescribed to you. He organizes the 108 ingredients that he needs for this particular fire. It's a one-off ceremony, and you, the seeker, would know ahead of time when the, this fire ceremony happens, on which day, the time, the name of the priest, and the temple. And if it's a 108 or 144 day long ceremony, then what the first and the last days are, so you can join in spirit if you want to. And of course, the name of the priest and the temple. And so that's all the types of pujas that you can possibly be prescribed. They are uh, optional support. Uh, they cost a little money because we've got to donate money to the priest and the priest needs to buy the ingredients for that. You know, if he goes to the temple 108 days, twice a day in a row, every time he goes, he needs to buy coconuts and um, ghee and flowers and this and that and the other. So that is um, the pujas. So I guess I did all the three parts, search, mm -hmm. matching, reading. Within the reading, you know your thumbprint name is being explained to you. Uh, the um, By the way, each thumbprint name also has at least 
three energetic dots, each thumbprint, not name, each thumbprint per se, has at least three energetic dots. And each energetic dot represents an, an area of your life, family life, um, uh, property and finance and career and spirituality and so forth. And the reader can also tell you if your dot is wide open, so it's good, there's nothing you need to do or worry about. A little blocked, but like really blocked. And good news is that whether the, the energy dot is blocked or there is a block or obstacle identified in a reading, no need to stress out because the good news is you are getting the reading so that you can overcome those blocks. That is um, always my advice. Don't get stressed out. Obviously, life is not just milk and honey. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly that you get um, told. And when it's not so cool, well, at the end, you get the pujas helping you overcome the blocks and obstacles identified in your reading. So now we know the, the how many Maharishis were there. We don't know exactly how many, but 18 of them are the main ones. Agastya is uh, most likely going to be the one that you get a reading from because he wrote the most leaves. Then um, the process, search, matching, reading, the reading itself, what it um, entails, the matching process, which is the magical part because you can um, confirm it. You know your parents' names and you know your name and you know how many siblings you have and how many kids and, and uh, the spouse and ex-spouse. Once I had a lady who was married already four times before and she was about to divorce the fifth guy. So, and, and three or four of them were mentioned in her family. Unbelievable. So their names, uh, shocking. I mean, she, she couldn't believe it herself. <clears throat> and, um, and yeah, and the pujas, that's the, the main aspect to help you overcome the, the blocks identified in your reading. Now, I, we started this Palmic Reading Institute to help seekers from across the globe to get a reading done from the comfort of their home. Because I realized that most Western people will never travel to India. And um, it's a calling for me, really. Um, you're running a, a spiritual podcast, so you know, people out there know, if you are in a spiritual world, you never become a millionaire, and that's not my aim either. I'm here to help. Right. I want to help seekers so they don't need to go to India and yet have a trustworthy source. And I'm very proud and happy to say that we have a lot of endorsers, people that I know personally, uh, you know, from Deepak Chopra, uh, Ariel Ford, um, she published all of um, Deepak's books in the beginning. She's actually the, the woman who made many of the people that we now see as stars. Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote um, um, Conversations with God, and uh, Jack Canfield, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Mm -hmm. She was a publisher, and she's a big endorser of our cause, too. Gail Thackeray, I don't know, there's so many of them. Um, Sama Chukoy, excuse me, one of the most famous um, Vedic astrologers in the United States. So they all endorse us because um, they know that we're doing an ethical job here. So my, my, my calling was to, if I need start an institute, which I never ever thought I would do, I guarantee you this, I'm an academic who's a traveler, that's my, my background, and um, I'm a seeker myself. I just want to know what's out there, um, go deeper and deeper in the rabbit hole. And yet I started doing this, and it was just a hobby helping friends and family. And then I realized it's just too many people that want to get a reading done because they then talked about their experience and then more people came to me that I had no clue who they are. And then so one, at some point, you're talking to people who do not know who you are. And then I realized, man, oh man, we've got to put this in a legal framework. So we created this institute based out of California. So our banking, our, our accounting, our taxing, all of that is Western-based, 
um, in California. So Pima Tax in the, in the U.S., my CPA is in the U.S., and so forth. Only I personally, and I was told that in my reading too, I personally live here now, but I still have my house in the U.S., and I go back to the U.S. all the time. Uh, <clears throat> so, and at the same time, I want to give back to India. For those of you who have not been to India, I uh, talked about this before, it's a very poor country, really it is. Yeah. And to many people, it's 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 a, it's, a, it's really a shocker. Uh, really, it is, and I still um, have a hard time uh, dealing with it. So I promised my readers that if they stick with me, I will overpay them heavily so that they can continue doing their spiritual work. They all do it voluntarily. I mean, all of my readers are um, highly educated people. They're mathematicians and engineers, and, and we lose a lot of them too because you know they will go and get. Uh, What's India famous for? IT, um, mm-hmm. call centers, and so forth. So I said, look, if we stick together, I will pay you a good amount of money so that you can do what, you're, what your calling is and um, you don't need to take up a normal job, but you can be on a spiritual path and, and, and do what you're really destined to do. And I also support orphanages you know, in, in, our, in Tamil Nadu. So I give really back uh, quite quite a lot to make sure that um, my path is is a is a indeed a last lifer's path because in your reading you're also being told if it's your last life, and I was told it's my last life and it was the best news of the entire reading for me because <laughs> I'm sick and uh, tired and I'm done with being a human. I'm telling you, I'm more than happy to never come back, <clears throat> and I hope that I'm not one of those stupid. Um, light workers and time travelers as we call them those who have already reached moksha because if you're last lifer after this life you reach moksha uh, liberation and then you don't need to come back you don't have to be reincarnated anymore but there are some stupid souls it's uh, you know um, know, tongue-in-cheek that come back to help humanity they're called time travelers they're already united with the eternal source Mm -hmm. and yet they come back because they know they see help is needed and um, I do have a couple of those we had a few not very many in all the years but like three uh, time travelers I think bad workers are four um, and Reverend Bill McDonald who is in Sacramento he's a huge supporter of our cause too uh, he's he's one of those and um, and uh, his life is anything but easy don't think that when you come back as a, a time traveler as a night worker then oh everything's wonderful you're millionaire driving a Porsche not at all. He had um, his fair share of uh, major challenges in life, and yet he's a very uh, humble, loving, uh, kind human being, and that's his job. You know, he came back to just give, and he's a giver. So it's my last life, and as a last lifer, as we call him in our institute, uh, it comes as a privilege, and also it comes with duties because uh, as a last lifer, you have an extra set of uh, pujas. These are lifelong pujas that you need to consciously uh, do and proactively. And that would be social service, like helping people who need help, the underprivileged, or just even if it's, you know, helping an elderly lady across the street, something that you proactively do uh, on a continuous basis. And uh, also spiritual service, so that you help others with their spiritual growth. Uh, teaching meditation, yoga, talking about palm readings, anything that's, that helps another human being with their spiritual growth. And this is my last night too. What's the best news <clears throat> in the entire reading, I must admit. So I dedicate my life really to help others as best as I possibly can. And um, 
that's one of the main reasons why I started this institute. One, because there were just so many that wanted to get a reading done. And then uh, two, that I thought that's a good way of just giving back. Hmm. And, um, if I may quickly also talk about our process. Yeah, so that, yeah, yeah go Understand how we do it. We do it exactly the same way as if you're in India, just a lot more convenient and comfortable for you. I remember my reading in the reader's office, you know, first of all, I had cancer, so chemotherapy, and that impacted the way I smell things. I'm extremely sensitive to smell, even today, 30 years later. And when I when I usually see incense, I run because it's like a sledgehammer in my face. And yet I'm sitting for three hours in a reader's office and they light uh, 20 of them at the same time. I could hardly breathe and, and the mosquitoes and the heat and the, the humidity. <clears throat> so it was not the most comfortable experience, I must admit. And you know, me writing things down, trying to um, catch up with what this guy's trying to tell me in a heavy accent. <clears throat> your experience is you're, as I said before, you're at home, you're sipping a cup of tea or coffee in the morning or in the evening, um, your scotch while you're doing um, the uh, getting your reading done. Then um, we charge a hundred dollars, which is refundable for the search. So you put you, you sign up, you pay hundred bucks, we send you the form so you can put your thumbprint down. You gotta organize yourself an ink pad and then you gotta physically put your thumbprint down, take a picture of it and upload it to a secure system. The reader looks at it, identifies your thumbprint name, just as if you were in India itself, and then the search starts. And then please be patient because it takes on average four to eight weeks. It can be faster, of course it can be. If the reader looks into uh, his own little um, set of bundles and he it finds it's, it's, it's a day wait, but that's usually not the case. But we look for six months. If we cannot find at least one bundle in six months, you get your $100 back. Good news is, if there is a bundle, you guaranteed have a leaf. It might not be in the first matching attempt, it could be in the second matching attempt, because the sheer amount of bundles, that in itself is magical to me, that the reader finds 90% of the time the right couple bundles for you. And then it goes through these two bundles, or one bundle, during the first matching attempt, and it works. Only 10% of the time, give or take, you would have to go on a search for more bundles and then bring them back to the office. So then you gotta wait another few weeks. Um, so that's, so good news is if we find bundles, then you have a leaf. If we don't find bundles in six months, that means in this period of six months, as I told you, the energy shifts in our system mm -hmm. every six months. You were not meant to have a reading because the nadi, the time when you get the reading is not meant to be in this six month cycle. We refund your monies, you submit new thumbprints at least six months later, and then boom, it could be that four weeks everything we found bundles for you. Because then the time is right. Because Nadi means the exact time when you get your reading. Not a day before, not a day later. <clears throat> and if indeed we find bundles, then we charge an additional $400 for the matching and the reading. If for whatever reason, there is no match, which hasn't happened yet. We'll get your money. You get your money back too. And because I'm a very decent ethical human being, if you say, hey, this wasn't for me and you're unhappy, we'll give you $400 back too. I simply want people to be happy. That's it. And I can only do the very best that we can do. Not necessarily will I be the moderator. I've trained quite, quite a few moderators to, to do this job. But... Um, you, um, I, I want everyone to get the most out of the reading. And um, in order to be able to do this, not only will there be a reader, 
in your column office in India, which I told you about. It's in the central parts of this big state called Tamil Nadu, the southernmost state. Next to him sits an interpreter who interprets Tamil, because my readers only speak Tamil, they don't speak English. Next to him, we have a local person who translates Tamil to English, or Hinglish, to be honest with you. So to some listeners out there, it might be a little difficult to understand, um, at least in the beginning, their accent. To help you with that, I also have a Western moderator in the call. So the Western moderator's job is to welcome you, guide you through the whole process, hold your hand, kiss and stroke you, you know, through a video, making sure that you get the most out of it. So if you don't understand the Indian accent, the moderator repeats it to you. If you don't understand something about the reading, the moderator explains it to you. So they all have been handpicked and trained by me personally. That's, uh, that's my service to, to you. And we record your reading. And after your reading, you receive a whole gamut of things. You get the recording of your reading, professionally edited. You get the chat history because we use, we use Zoom, by the way, uh, these days <clears throat> for our uh, readings. And we utilize the chat function a lot. We type things out during the reading so that the seeker understands what's going on during the matching and the reading. So you get the whole chat history professionally edited as well. And then we take pictures of your palm leaf. And uh, you can print it out and frame it if you want to, because the original has to remain in the bundle. Because believe it or not, at some point in the future, it will be recycled and it will be somebody else's leaf. At some point in the future. And last but not least, you get a PDF with your pujas. We transliterate your mantras into English. You can read them. We add all the pictures that you need of the gods and goddesses so you can do it. It's like 10 pages or so. Mm -hmm. Just print it out and follow instructions. So that is my service to seekers out there. And if indeed you don't forget to mention either Gary or the Everything Possible podcast mm -hmm. when you sign up on IndianPalmLeafReading.com, IndianPalmLeafReading.com, that is our website, super easy, you go online. And you'll say, you know, give us your name, first name, last name, and your email address. And then how did you hear about us? You can type in Gary or the Everything Possible podcast. And uh, as my little thank you to Gary and uh, supporting him and his tribe, I'm happy to give you a $100 good karma discount oh. towards your matching and reading. So you only pay $100 for the search and then $300 for the matching and the reading instead of the $400. Uh, it's hundred dollars less for me because with this hundred dollars less, I can less support my orphanages. But still, mm -hmm. I want people to. Uh, it's my way of thanking the Rishis and you know, the Maharishis, India, and of course uh, Gary and um, his audience, listening to something as crazy as uh, palm leaf readings for such a long time, which are very, uh, very appreciated. Thank you. It's fascinating, really. Um, you. you know that that. That all these things have already been like so. So in a way, we're talking like every life out there has been documented on a palm leaf that's in a bundle that somebody can go out and find by looking at a thumbprint is is incredible. Um, it's mind blowing. I know it's mind blowing. Absolutely. And, and, and it, for me, anyway, it just reaffirms this idea that everything is connected somehow. Everything's connected. I guarantee this. Guaranteed, for sure. We're all connected. All of us. All humans. All creatures, all planets, the whole universe, we're all connected. Yeah. We're just not able to see it or, or understand it, but we are. Incredible. Absolutely incredible.
And, you know, you mentioned like, like you being like, this is your last life. Um, I hope this is my last. <laughs> There you go. Actually, um, we can welcome you to welcome the last half of club. I, I think that asked like, one of my other guests, she's going to do a before life reading, sort of like, like the, talk about like the agreement that I made before this life. So I can try to figure out what my karmatic issues are and fix them and get out of here. <laughs> yes, that's what a reading does too. It tells you your, your karma, if you carry karma, so you can clean it. And then, because um, as the last slide for you, you shall not leave karma behind. It's, it's an option, don't forget. It's, an, it's your last lifer's chance. You don't have a carte blanche. It doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to reach moksha, mm -hmm. but that's your chance of reaching moksha. So if you do something stupid, you know, during your lifetime, because we've got free will and we've got choice, because the reading does not take away that from you. We're creators of our experiences every day, the reality that we're in through actions, non-actions, and thoughts, and so forth, emotions. Then uh, you won't reach moksha. But if you continue on the path and you evolve and, and, and give back and create good karma, well, then it's moksha and it's uh, part of the time. You don't need to come back, pop up the champagne, and um, beautiful. <laughs> yes. Uh, Fantastic. At least that's how I viewed it when I had, when I heard it in my reading. Yes. Awesome. So um, it was a pleasure talking with you today. I will post the link to um, your website. And I'll mention in there also about the $100 discount. And uh, so if my listeners are interested in the Palm Leaf reading, they can yes. click on the link and put in the code. And uh, the code is super easy. Just Gary or the Everything Possible. Yeah. Uh, so you can find us on Facebook, Indian Palm Leaf Reading. On YouTube, we've got a huge YouTube channel, Indian Palm Leaf Reading Institute with quite a few very kind seekers who allowed us to put their entire reading three hours matching wow. and reading on on youtube so you can actually see for yourself how the whole thing works hmm. from beginning to end so youtube in the empowerment reading institute facebook in the empowerment reading instagram in the empowerment reading <clears throat> i must admit i I'm a huge disliker of social media, but it is a necessary evil. <laughs> People can find, yeah, it's just true. I, I, I don't like it at all, really. If I could, I, could, uh, I wouldn't live without it. <clears throat> but um, for this purpose, we need to use it so people can find us. Yeah. Uh, and our, our website is in empalmifreading.com. So it's super easy. It's, uh, it's all connected. Um, one leads to the other. So you can go from Facebook to Instagram mm -hmm. to YouTube, check things out, <clears throat> and then eventually you can go to the website and put down your name and email address and just say Gary or everything possible podcast and you get $100 off. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, this was fascinating. This was something I've never heard of before. So I learned a whole lot. And um, yeah, it, it was just great having you. I mean, this was, you really had me Thank captivated you. for the last hour and a half. I'm happy to hear that. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Well, we have to do this again sometime. Oh, absolutely. We'll yes. dig into absolutely. some of the other aspects of it, like uh, um, the reality part of it that <laughs> you mentioned earlier. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh, one of the topics I'm more fascinated in too. I have had many, you know, I've done a lot of podcasts and YouTube's and radio and uh, and TV even. Uh, like Dr. Erica Middlemiss, she's the co-host of one of the top ten um, um, Apple podcasts. Um, And she did a podcast 
before her reading. Mm-hmm. Like we did today. And then she had her reading done because she was so fascinated by what I told her. And then we had a second podcast after her reading. So then she could share her own personal experience about um, palmy readings. And I've done so with quite quite many actually. Uh, a first and then a post personal reading experience. It's more of a ping pong. Mm-hmm. So that um, the host can interject and say, oh, yeah, that's true, because that my reading said this, then the other. And then I can also explain, um, let's see, your personal experience reading and go deeper, because a reading is so complex, you have no idea. Into, into a reading not only comes the entire Vedic astrology, because the reader needs to know all of Vedic astrology, just to be able to identify the symbols written in your palm leaf. Mm-hmm. They, they don't draw charts. So it's not a Vedic reading, it's not. But it needs to know all of that because uh, in a pre-chart world, these rishis wrote symbols that he needs to know how to convert. Hence, he needs to know all of Vedic astrology. The five elements come into it big time. The gemology comes into it big time because you're being told your lucky gems, what they mean, your, your... which of the five elements are good for you, what they mean to you. You know, he needs to know Western astrology too, because in a reading, a good reader, you know, mind me saying that, there's a lot of fake stuff going on too outside. So you want to make sure that um, uh, you you find an ethical, Mm -hmm. authentic uh, reader. And for my team, um, I I can vouch for every single one that's uh, with us. But if you think, oh, I want to go to India myself, good luck. At least half of them are fake. And you need to know who, who you go to. Yeah, it's regret ritual. And not because you're a white tourist, you know, going to, to southern India. They do the same thing to tourists from other parts of India, too. Or, or sure. even local folks. So there is no difference. You just need to know where to go. Uh, so gemology, the lucky numbers, numerology uh, comes into because they tell you you're lucky numbers, too. So there's so much information you get. And if you really dissect every single bit that you were given... You can, I mean, I'm, I'm writing a book now about this to, to just um, somehow be able to, in an easy-to-digest way, uh, give to someone who's interested in it so they understand, you know, why was this chakra mentioned and why was this uh, element mentioned. And so they can read up on it a little bit themselves and then help them with the, with the journey uh, as they start digging into the rabbit hole of naughty readings, which are very, very complex. I'm telling you, it's a, a lot more than I can share in an hour and a half. <laughs> each, each, yeah, it's, it's true. The more I do it myself, because I've been, I've moderated, I don't know, one or two readings uh, um, a lot. So and the more I dive into it, the more I understand it. And I don't speak Tamil or, or I'm not a reader, um, but I'm a, I'm a moderator. I'm the original moderator of our institute, obviously. And I've trained a lot of moderators, but I spend a lot of time with readers and my interpreters, and you know, I need to understand the, the deeper meanings of these readings so that I can help Western people of no clue but India, you know, should just bridge the gap between the West and India. That in itself is a huge thing, which we as Westerners, no matter how much time we spend in India, will ever be able to understand. Because, yeah. you know, you need to grow up with Hinduism to understand the deeper things mm-hmm. but as an outsider as a humble outsider observer i just try to learn and observe so i can help westerners to um, understand where these readers come from 
it's a different universe altogether. Oh yeah, and we cannot comprehend. But you know, maybe we can utilize some of it. Yeah, I used to live in a neighborhood that was, I would say, probably seventy percent Hindu. In, yeah. In fact, it was like I live right next to an ashram. Oh, <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, so it was cool when a lot of places had like the little the little puja temples with the candles and the picture of the yeah. swamis yeah. and. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's fast, it's beautiful, really, you know. I loved it. It is. It is. And the food, too. Oh, my God, the food is very special indeed, yes. So, <clears throat> if you ever go to India <coughs> and you're not a vegetarian, that is a place where you can be a vegetarian. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Fantastic. Because the well, vegetarian food is so good. Yeah. Um, so, so this is a pleasure talking to you. Uh, yeah. Thanks for being on. And I'll put the link in the codes in the notes of this episode. And we'll definitely do this again. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just gonna, My pleasure, yes. And I'm just going to play Have the outro. Day.